0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Judges. We're going to be in Judges for a while. And I uh, uh, some great stories out of there. And we're going to talk about one of those guys today. Father, we love you. We're so blessed that you would call us your own. Thank you for everyone that's here today. Those who come every week, those who are new, and those who are coming back, Father, those that are watching online. And as we study your word today, I ask you to anoint me because I know that my words are nothing without your anointing. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you like to play the odds or not, but the odds of winning a multi state powerball are one in 185 million people. The odds of you, if you're a high school baseball player, ever making it into the pros, the odds are one for every 6,600. And the odds of you being struck by lightning, even living in Florida, is one out of every three million. Wow. The odds of you listening to every word of this sermon are one in ten. So I want you to look around and see if you can find that one among your ten that's very attentive and is going to listen to every word of this teaching. Today we're going to look at a guy that the odds were all against him. He found himself with the odds of 600 to 1. In fact, 600 enemy that pushed him into a corner and he didn't know how he was going to get out. But God delivers him. And I know some of you feel that way today. You feel like the odds are all against you, that God is doing some great things in other people's lives, and they're not having difficulties, not having the challenges that you are. But I want you to know today that no matter where you are, there's something we can learn from this passage we're going to look at today. We've been talking about the league of the least likely, those that... Other people have looked over. So if you missed any on this, I hope that you'll go back. The first week, we talked about Jesus, the least likely likely rabbi from Nazareth, because everybody said he's not going to amount to anything. He he will never make it, but thank God he did make something right, and he changed our life. And then last week, it was a fun teaching, David, the skinny-armed sheepherder. So if you missed any of those, I really encourage you to go back and listen Our theme verse for this passage, our theme verses, are 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Would you quote them with me as we're memorizing this? Are you ready? Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I didn't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Choose these nobody to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, And a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. So today, we're going to look at another guy in this league of the least likely. So many times when we say people, uh, you know, the heroes of the Bible, they think, wow, there was was Gideon, and, and there was this person, and Paul, and all of these others. And many times... When I talk about Shamgar, who's one of my favorite characters, people say, Shammy who? Uh, is that like a Shamu the whale? I mean, where is it? No, it's Shamgar. And so we're going to look at it today. And there's not many verses about him. In fact, there are two verses in the Bible about our hero today. You think you got shortcut. I mean, you say, you know, everybody else seems to get attention. Two verses, 42 words tells us everything except it says and he delivered the people of Israel. Now, when you think about that, you think Moses had 136 chapters in the Bible about him. Joshua had 21 chapters written about him. Jesus has 89 chapters of the New Testament written about him. And here comes Shamgar, a farmer. He's a clawed kicker. He's uh, out there, dirt under his fingernails, ox poop under his sandals. He's out there, and he is used by God to deliver Israel from Philistine oppression and we're going to be looking at some judges in the book of Judges and so I want to encourage you to go along with me on a daily journey so if you'll go with me take out your phones and uh, go to uh, thefathershouse.com to our website and uh there's a reading plan there I'd like for you, so it's all right to go ahead and take your phone out if you haven't done this. And uh, when you go to the Father's House Facebook page, you see, uh, you see those handsome people that are there and those beautiful people. And then you scroll on down through there, and you see this program here, Judges Choosing God's Way. You hit on that. And when you hit on it, it says, would you like to participate? And when you say, yeah, I'd like to join with the others at the Father's house, it's going to do this study for the next 13 days. And when you push that, it'll say, accept the invitation. And you say, yeah, I'll accept the invitation. And then tomorrow morning, you can start with us as we're going to study about Ehud. JL and many of the other people that maybe you've never heard of before and so join us in that journey so the scripture says in Judges 3 and 31 one of the two verses about our guy today says after Ehud in which I'm going to talk about the week after next son of Anah uh, Shamgar son of Anah rescued Israel would you underline that in your notes rescued Israel he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Wow, with an ox goad. Now, Shamgar has no army, he has no weapons, and he's facing an impossible situation. He's facing the Philistines, who the Philistines at that time were like the Navy SEALs, uh, the Army Rangers, uh, whatever else you want to fill in there, the very elite of the elite. They had the best weapons, they had everything, and here's the weapon that Shamgar has, an ox goad. An ox goad. How many of you own an ox goad at home? All right. An ox goad is a, a long pole, about eight foot long, on one end was a sharp, like a, pointed, uh, like a pointed arrow. And then on the other end was a, like a chisel, like a hoe. And so uh, he would use that ox goad that when he's plowing and the ox decided they didn't want to plow anymore, he would take that eight-foot pole with a sharp prick on the end, and he'd say, up! And so the ox would go a little more, right? And, so, and then when he'd come to a place where there was a rock or there was a root in the ground, he would take the other end of that, it was a chisel, and he would dig out the rock, or he would dig out. That was his weapon. That was his weapon. So what a hopeless situation. It says, in the days of Shemgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads, and the travelers stayed on winding paths. It was such a dangerous time that they couldn't even stay on the main paths. The Philistines were so oppressive, taking everything they have, killing, raping, doing all of that, and it was such an unsafe time that they had to go on the back roads to go wherever they were going. And it says that Shamgar quit, he beat, he overcame and killed 600 Philistines. The odds, 600 to 1. 600 to 1. And you say, yeah, I can identify that. I feel like I'm like 1,000 to 1 right now. Well, if that's where you are, there's some lessons that we can learn from this story today, how that God can help us and he can use us. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. Even with your stick, he wants to use you. So here it is. Number one, lessons that we can learn from this passage. Start where you are. Say that with me. Start where you are. Where was Shamgar? Well, He was in a hopeless season of oppression. He was trying to struggle out a living in Palestine. He wasn't at the military academy learning how to fight. He wasn't at the university in Alexandria. But he was actually working with his hands, doing what he could. Now, when I say start where you are, there's some of you today that God has a purpose for your life and you're not living that purpose. You got sidetracked, things happen in your life, or maybe you don't even know God has a purpose for you, and you use something like this. Well, one day, one day soon, when I get my kids grown, one day soon, when I don't have too many grandkids, one day soon, when I'm retired, one day, no, we have to start where you are. Not where you'd like to be. Well, if I could just get closer to God, then, then, then I would surrender to him. No, start where you are. He was in a tough time. He was living in a time in which God's people had rejected God. In fact, four times in the book of Judges, you're going to hear this phrase. In those days, Israel had no king. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Judges 21, 25. So in other words, what it's saying is there were no absolutes. Everybody decided, well, that may be good for you but it's not good for me. There were no absolutes. What happens in a society where you have no absolutes, where you have no real truth, you have no absolutes? It turns into chaos. May I suggest to you when you turn on the news and look? Are we in a time of chaos right now? Why? Because we as a nation have gone away from God. We don't pray anymore the way we used to pray as a nation. We're going farther and farther away from God. And people are saying, well, you know, Jesus may be all right for you. He's your truth, but He's not my truth. That's the generation we're dealing with today. They don't understand absolutes. You think we don't have a great challenge and and, and we have a great opportunity in the midst of that. And so what would happen is Israel, who should have been basking in the presence of God, would turn away from God into sin. And after sin came struggles. Because there's always difficulty when you turn away from God and you sin. So sin, struggles, And now they cry out to God in supplication. God, send us a deliverer. And so God sends a savior, a judge, a deliverer. And you'll see that pattern for 400 years in the book of Judges. Sin, struggles, supplication, call out to God, a savior. Over and over and over and over. The same story over and over. It's like the lady who was going to work walking down the street and she had to walk by a pet shop and outside the pet shop was a parrot and he was uh, in his cage and when she walked by the parrot spoke to her and said hey lady you're ugly oh she was furious and she stomped on by and went to work she came home that evening after work had to go by the same pet shop the parrot's still outside and he yells at her again hey lady you're ugly Oh, she just stomped on home. That was horrible. So the next day, she walks back by there on her way to the work, and the parent said, hey, lady, you're ugly. Oh, she went inside. She's furious. She said, I'm going to sue you to the owner. I'm going to sue you. In fact, I'm going to buy that bird, and I'm going to kill that bird. The guy says, whoa, whoa, wait, just wait, 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 I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that never happens to you again. So she went on to work, and the guy roughed up the parrot and said, don't you ever do that again. You're not going to You're going to." And so she came home from work, and she walked by, and she looked at the parrot, and his, his feathers were all messed up because he had really been through it and all of that. And so as she walks by, the parrot said, hey, lady. She turns and says, yes. He said, you know. <laughs> and that's what you see here in the book of Judges. Sin, struggles, supplication, Savior. Over and over and over and over. And you could simply say, you know, you know. Listen, if we don't make a difference in the world we're living in today, things are not going to get better on their own. We need some people like you that will utilize and understand that God has a calling in your life and he can use. Second of all, here's what we learn: you got to use what you have. You have to use what you have. Samgar started with what he had. He had an ox goad. That's all that he had. Now, we don't know if he killed 600 Philistines in one battle or if he was like a guerrilla soldier. And little by little, he picked them off. We don't know which way he did that. All we know is the Bible says that he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Can you imagine them going out on duty? You know, And and they say, hey, we better watch out. We understand there's a gorilla around here. And he's fighting with an ox goad. And he's stacking it up. But after 600 Philistines, something so happened that they submitted, surrendered, and he delivered Israel because he used what? He had. We're never going to change this world by using things we don't have. It's what do we have. What has God given you? Has he given you the ability to sing, to worship, to play an instrument? Has he given you the ability to be a teacher, a business leader? Has he given you the ability to organize? Whatever it is, we have to learn to use what we have. And then thirdly, we do what we can. Not what we can't, but what we can Shamgar did what he could. He didn't give an excuse. Well, you know, I'm nothing. I'm a farmer. I got ox poop under my sandals. I'm nobody. I don't have weapons. I don't know how to do this. No, we don't know how it happened. But evidently, when we get to heaven, we can ask. And if you don't make it, we'll send you a message of how that happened. And so, so he's out plowing one day. And all of a sudden, the Philistines come against him. But something happens this time. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and anoints him. And he raises up and he says, somebody ought to do something. But he doesn't look around and give an excuse of, who am I? I don't have anything. But he found, what does he have in his hand? And I'm going to tell you right now, if we're going to change this world, we've got a people who realize that God can anoint what we have in our hand and he can use it to change people's lives. Amen? Amen. Uh, I heard someone say this, and, and I love this. You're writing your obituary right now. Wow. You're writing your obituary right now. Think of all the things you want people to read about your life when you're gone. Those are the things that you need to live right now. George Bernard Shaw said it like this. If you take too long in deciding what to do with your life, you'll find you've already done it. Hmm. Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting saying, well, you know, I I'll, said, I'll, I'll talk to you about, you know, using my gift for God. I'll, I'll talk about it. No, why, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Though no one can go back and make a brand new start. We talk about starting over a fresh start. But you really, in essence, can't go back and start fresh. Everything you've gone through makes you who you are now. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start. Anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. That's what I want for you. In fact, I'm going I'm to invite a friend of mine, uh, the wonder of South Sumter, A.J. Bryant, to come and join me up here. A.J., would you come and join me? Man, We're glad, uh, so glad to have you today. Amen. If you don't know A.J., he's a, a teacher in South Sumter. He and his lovely wife, who was helping to lead worship, Jennifer, uh, and uh, you have a, she has a great voice, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah she, she does. has a great voice, and uh, they have two great kids. And how old is, how is your son? My son's six, and my daughter's four. Yeah, and don't ever be in a dunk take with your son. He He dunked me four times. A six-year-old dunked me four times. He let
1: me know, because I only got one out of three, so he (laughs) he let me know.
0: So AJ is in our our, uh, men's life group that we have, and the other day, we've just been sitting around, we've been talking about, you know, sharing your story, and A.J. shared his story, and I thought it was, so, it was so impactful to me, and it was so impactful to the other guys that I asked him to share this story, because what you're going to see is that we can't go back and do a brand new start, but we can start where we are and make a brand new ending. So tell us a little bit about your life, A.J. All
1: right, uh, for you ones that know, uh, Bushnell's not very far away from here. It's a little small town in Sumter County, and I had the privilege of being raised up by my grandmother there uh my mom was 16 uh, when she was pregnant with me so uh grandmother decided that that boy's gonna stay with me so uh growing up baptist uh, i was in church all the time um, <laughs> literally all the time uh, we got there about nine for sunday school uh, and we got out about two wow and we were you know got an hour for to eat to come back for the evening service (laughs) Uh, so I knew what church was um, played sports uh, I figured that was gonna be my way out Uh, ended up being really good at something Um, so I became one of the top players in the state of Florida awesome um, got a full scholarship to go play college. You played was, football? I played football and basketball. Oh, okay. So when I got my scholarship, it was uh, a dual scholarship, which is very rare. Yeah. So I go on to Georgia Southern and I take all the things that God has instilled in me. And I said, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to go to church. And that didn't last very yeah. long. Yeah. Uh, the worldly things of college and being an athlete, uh It weighed on me and I grew farther and farther away from God Um, the sports when I first got there I wasn't very good you know coming from being one of the top in the state you know I was smaller and you know but I worked at it until I became one of the best at Georgia Southern awesome so you go from uh, I'm gonna go to church this Sunday till man 10,000 people just got done screaming my name in a stadium Wow. I think I'm gonna just go out tonight and party with the guys, yeah. and you know, do what everybody else is doing, and that became a routine. You know, um, I was probably my second year when I met my lovely wife, Jennifer, um, and she would always mention things. Like, hey, we should probably go to church. I'm like, eh. Now
0: she was from the Bahamas. She came the Bahamas. She to, came to,
1: from to... the Bahamas just to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was the luxury of coming from the Bahamas. She ended up going to Georgia Southern, and we met there, Uh, one of the best days of my life. Um, Yeah, amen. Um, So, you know, the college thing got to be to where it was you know, a way of life, that's what I felt. But I felt like, you know, I was very cocky at the time. I was arrogant, Um, the world was, everything was great for me. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better life. You know, you're the best in the state in high school. Now you're a college All-American. Everybody on campus knows who you are. You're getting your name screamed at the stadiums. Yeah. When you go into the parties, there's A.J. Bryant. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. What more could you ask for? Yeah. I mean, this is the life. So, you know, I thought church, you know, was, you know, I'll, get, I'll go to church when I get out of college. Yeah, right. you know, that, that, I'll go then. You know, and things were, seems like they were shaping up. But then, you know, I, I graduated. Uh, College, and I was like, "Mm, "What am I gonna do? You know, I'll find something to do." And I get a call, and I, you know, an agent calls me and says, "Hey, you ever thought about playing ball?" Still, I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I signed a contract to play professional football. Hmm. I played three years. Still, great. I don't have a job. They're paying me more than people are making (laughs) to do what I've always done. I played college ball, you know, for free. Now you're gonna pay me to do it. This is great. You know, Jennifer still had another year in college, so we spent that time, you know, apart. And, you know, the, these guys are adults now, so what do adults do? You're not in college. What yeah. do you do after games? Yeah. And it was the same thing, you know, nothing different. Parties, you know, you think this is the life. Uh, and then it all got serious, you know, when that football was over. Then it was like, now you're in the real world. So me and Jennifer decided that we were going to have kids. And
0: And you um, came back to Bushnell. I came
1: back. I drugged this lovely lady that came from the lovely island of the Bahamas to Georgia Southern, which is not much bigger than Leesburg. And then she's like, oh, it got worse. (laughs) And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to drag you back to (laughs) Bushnell. And then she goes... We're not staying here, are we? I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is where we're going to live for the rest of our life. And, you know, I'm like, I made it through college with no kids, you know. God know, knows he was with me for that. And you got married. And then I got married. I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to have kids, and it didn't happen for us, you know. It was year after year after year after a doctor after doctors, and it was like, this is this is rough. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you plan on not having kids all these years to because that's what they say you shouldn't do. Right. But then when it's time, you know, you're you you get ready to have kids uh, right before we decided to get kids. You know, it was we need to get baptized. At this time, we had started coming to church. My dad actually invited us to church. Oh, awesome. At the father's house. Uh-huh. Um, he doesn't come what, as much 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, he doesn't come as much, but we try and get him to come back, you know, so it was all bait and switch. Like, but at least
0: he brought you. He brought us,
1: and I remember sitting out in that congregation, and I was like, Jennifer, they sing very well. You know, I know she can sing, but no one else knew she could sing at the time, and I was like, you should probably go and try out. And, you know, after a year or so, she actually listened to me, so when y'all hear her on Sundays... <laughs>
0: So we have you to thank for Jennifer. You can thank me for that. You can thank me. Um,
1: then we got plugged in here, and I had an excuse to why I didn't come every Sunday. During football season, I'm a coach, so we met on Sundays. So that was my reason to not come, but it was also a reason to kind of stay disconnected because you weren't coming to church on Sundays. Well, it was football season. Then when football season was over, I'm tired. Yeah. So she convinced me because it was more my wife pushing me at the time to say we should probably get baptized. I'm like, man, I get baptized, things will change for me. You know, everything will be different. So we go and like these lovely people that had that great, I figured I'm going for it. So they dunk me under and I come up, I'm like, wow, this is new. So I'm thinking all my problems are over. (laughs) I went through all the things in life that's it. I'm renewed. Yeah. Wow, was I wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's when things took a turn for the worse. Uh, that's when I felt like I was under attack. Didn't know it because you know, I, I was trying to start that life, but I wasn't living for God. Yeah. Um, I was seeking God, but I wasn't living for him well, at that's the good. time. Yeah. So things got really rough. Uh, had points in my life where you know, I didn't know if I wanted to be married. Um, Had an affair. Uh, One of the hardest times I've ever went through, which that's weird for me to say was one of the hardest times I could. But the guilt and the shame, uh, there was one person that helped me get through it, and God had to be with her because it was my wife. Wow. Wow. Um, Wow. It's hard to get over something that you know you've done, but when you have someone in your corner that's fighting for you, I mean, I, I don't really know. Shame's,
0: shame's a big thing, isn't
1: it? Shame is, is something that you got to look in, your mirror, in the mirror every day. When you brush your teeth, that's the person you got to look at. Yeah. All right. No one else, like when y'all see us smile at church, you never know what someone's going through. True. But every time that person has a look in the mirror, they know what they've got. Wow. Done. Wow. And it took the grace of God, Pastor Tim, and a lot of talking with you guys to, to get me through those points. But, you know, I started coming to church. Um, God saw things in me that I thought I didn't see in myself and things were starting to get better. So I said, we're on the way. It's It's great. Yeah. And then about the time you feel like you're on top, life hits you again. And about a year and a half ago, uh, something just hit me inside and said, I don't want to be married. Wow. I I don't want to be married. This is not working. This is not for me. Uh. And it was rough. As a man, you, you're very prideful. I've been the most confident person I think anybody could that knows me. You're kind of borderline cocky, so uh, <laughs> I was at this point where I was like, I don't think speaking to someone would help. Yeah. Because what are they going to tell me? He gets paid to tell me I have problems. Yeah. You know. So I felt at that time I was too boastful to to seek out. So the only. I think that was a point where I looked as a last resort, and I knew at that, that point that I needed God, and I think I had the mistake of trying it my way all these times. Wow, wow. And then going to him at the end. Wow. Um, just so happened he was still waiting for me. Wow. Um, through counseling, through every act of God, through talking to godly counsel, um, I can say that I am happily married
0: today. Amen, amen. amen. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have any issues or problems, right? Oh, we're great. We have no problems. We, <laughs> uh,
1: we still face the same problems everybody else faces. And I think my life group partners, uh, hearing their testimonies, brought me to the point where I understand that people don't come to church perfect. Yeah. You come to church because you're not perfect. So true. And, so true. and being in my life group has changed my life, like listening to you guys share your stories. And I go, there's someone else that lives with guilt. There's someone yeah. else that has as many problems as I do. Yeah. And it opened me up to be able to share my story, to figure if I can help one person out there. Wow. Like so true. the many testimonies I've heard yeah. that have helped me, each one of them, I've gone, one day I'm going to have enough strength to get up there and yeah. tell my story. Yeah. And
0: hopefully it helps yeah. one yeah. guy. Yeah one lady well we appreciate it man i know it's not easy if you just sit up here and admit that and talk about that your lovely wife sitting over there in front of all these people and the people that are watching but that that means a lot but again it comes back to where we were though we can't go back and make a brand new start we can start where we are and make a brand new ending now i look at you aj and i know the rest of the story I know the vision and the dream that God has put in your heart, not just about yourself, but about kids that are in South Sumter. Can you tell us a little bit about that vision you have of of something there and what God is stirring in your heart? Um,
1: Starting out teaching, I didn't know if I wanted to be a teacher, but over the course of years, I wouldn't do anything else. I've had the privilege of impacting so many kids year in and year out. And being from Bushnell, I mean, the villages are new here, but nothing's changed on our end. And our kids are exposed to drugs, alcohol. We lead in teen pregnancy because there's wow. nothing for these kids to do. Wow. When Walmart parking lot is the highlight of their day, Wow, that is hard. Wow. And I have a vision that I want to bring an impact center, something to where these kids can have something to yes, do in Sumter yes. County. And hopefully one day they can see that, you know, we had a skating rink growing up. That was probably, looking back on it, not very fun, but we knew we had something. Yeah. All Right Right now they have nothing but church, um, and it's hard to get them to go to that. But if we can reach them through something to where church is involved and they can
0: learn and have something to do other than, Live the life. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I told AJ, I said, we as a church want to help you do that. And I know some of you business owners as that time comes. But I want, you, I want you to hear that story and how easy it would have been with the shame and all the other things that you went through to just say, what the heck? I'm out of here. How easy that would have been to walk away. And then who knows what would have happened with your kids? Who knows what would have happened to the hundreds of other kids that in the future in South Sumter that you're gonna impact. And and so I I look at that and I say to all of us here, what can one person do? One person can start where they are today and use what they have and see how that God would use us. Uh, Thank you, AJ, thank you for sharing with us, man. I love you, buddy, I love you, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Wow, what can one person do? What can one person do? I wonder what it is that you can do. I, I think of their, their precious little kids. And I think how easy it would have been for them to just walk away. But they didn't. Why? Well, because I think it's a lot of grandma's prayers, a lot of Jen's prayers, your prayers. And just the just the point that God wanted to use AJ for something that's bigger than he is. There's some of you sitting here have no idea how God wants to use you. He's given you gifts and talents. And many of you are sitting on those. And he's given you a purpose for life, and you're sitting on those. You say, but, I mean, look, what can one person do from Bushnell? I mean, that's sort of like Okahumka, you know. Sorry. That's like, that's like Pittsburgh, Illinois, where I came from, okay? What can one person do? Let me tell you a story. In 1855, a Sunday school teacher walked into a shoe store. His name was Edward Kimball. He saw a young man that was putting shoes up on a a rack, and he said to that young man, young man, I want to tell you how much that Jesus loves you. And he just went on to talk and wasn't long till that young man knelt down and gave his heart to the Lord. And his name was D.L. Moody, one of the great evangelists that he ever lived. Moody began to preach and he toured not only America but the British Isles and there he met a pastor by the name of Frederick Meyer Frederick Meyer had a little chapel but Frederick Meyer, a pastor didn't believe in God he believed his purpose in life was to increase his money and uh, influence and draw audiences and maybe help people but when he heard Moody tell the story of his conversion Frederick Meyer got on his knees and rededicated his heart to God became a powerful, powerful preacher. Eventually, Frederick Meyer comes to America. And when he comes to America, he preaches. And a young boy by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman hears the story and gives his heart to the Lord. Wilbur Chapman then becomes an evangelist and begins traveling and teaching people about Jesus. And he he comes in contact with a baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday played with the National League. He was the first player to run all bases in 14 seconds. In 1886, Billy Sunday gave his heart to the Lord. Five years later, at the height of his career, he stepped away from baseball because he felt like God had called him into something bigger, into ministry. So he turned down contract that he could make more money in one week than the most people in America would make in a whole year. Billy Sunday began preaching. And one of the places that he began preaching is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was a group of people there that was so impacted by him and other evangelists, they said, from here on out, we're going to invite other evangelists like Billy Sunday into Charlotte because we want to see our city changed. So they invited another preacher by the name of Mordecai Ham, who had been a follower after Billy Sunday. And in a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, in 1934, a local farmer began bringing some people with him in the back of his truck to that revival. And all week long, there was a 16-year-old young man in that revival meeting. And on the last night, Billy Graham walked the aisle, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And he's impacted millions and millions of people. But where did it start? Started with Mr. Kimball walking into a shoe store and saying, Jesus loves you. Where could it start for you? Writing that song, writing that teaching. I mean, just simply using the invite cards that we have, and we have those out here. Just inviting people, hey, just want you to know Jesus loves you. If you don't have a home church, I'd love you to come to the Father's house. We're just a bunch of screw-ups. Than living under God's grace. Or you use some of the cards that we have out there that says something extra to show you God loves you when you leave a generous tip when people work so hard. You say, what, what would that do? You don't know. You may touch the next Billy Graham. You may work over the Kid City. You may sing on the worship team. You may do those. You may be a business owner. And just by how you're doing your business, what if you impact one person and that person impacts somebody else. And that person. And you're not the one that gets the notoriety. You're the one that gets the two verses. that says, Sam invited Bob to church. Bob came to church. And one of his kids became the next president. The next governor. The next missionary. You could be one person away. And maybe you never get all the, all the chapters that somebody else do, but in God's sight. And they obeyed. They did what they could. They used what they had. And I changed life. That's you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you today thank you for the boldness of AJ sharing his story it's not easy to stand in front of people and with shame say this is what happened in my life but because of your grace you give us a chance to make a new ending to our life father I pray if there's anyone here anybody watching online today that simply say you know what I need to make a change in my life to have a new ending I don't like how things are going right now. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're, you're here and hearing that God wants you to start where you are and not wait any longer, but use what you have and do what you can because He's got a great purpose for your life. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need. Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life, I need to dedicate my life to him. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, Terry, please pray for me today. Thank you. 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 you. Others today, those of you that are watching online. Man, there's such a sweet spirit of the Lord here. Thank you, Jennifer, for not giving up on AJ. People look at you. They never know that you dealt with in the midst of all of that, your mother committing suicide. They would never know the nights that you cried. But thank you that you didn't give up. AJ, thank you that you didn't go up. You give up. Long after my life will end, when I see you in heaven, you're going to tell me stories about young people that have come through your program in South Sumter, and you've changed their life. Those of you who raised your hand and those of you who are watching online, let me lead you in prayer today. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. Thank you for AJ's story, but I thank you for my story because I have a purpose, I have a meaning. As best as I know how, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Church, would you give the Lord a hand clap for those who prayed that prayer? It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.